What's up, everyone? Uh, welcome to this week's Flipping the Field. As you can tell by hearing me talking off the start, uh, this is not a Patrick episode. Uh, I am joined by our buddies, Dick Stalskis, who you all know very well from this podcast, and my good friend, Brandon Justice, who I believe is joining us for the first time. Uh, boys, how are we doing out there? I'll do excellent. Good. I mean, it's uh, it's a good timing that you didn't, you know, have any Michigan fans on, you know, the like two weeks post national championship, but right after Ohio State has a great recruiting run, and you know, we lose our coach. <laughs> that it's just all of a sudden you're very gracious in having us on. So thank you. <laughs> I'm a busy guy, dude. I don't know. Yeah. Just oh yeah, schedule. for sure. Right. Yeah, the schedules didn't line up. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Right. Uh, That's typically what happens when people want to avoid the conversation that they know they're going to lose. But, you know, again, I just I'm here to have fun and I just really appreciate the opportunity. So (laughs) thanks for joining us, boys. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have plenty of Ryan Day bashing for years to come. So uh, don't worry, we can we can get in on that in the future as well. But uh, no, we're here to talk about uh, Michigan football, obviously, with the uh, expected news being of Jim Harbaugh taking the position with the L.A. Chargers. Um, so we are going to talk through next steps for Michigan, uh, including the head coaching hire. And, uh, you know, if it is that we all assume with Sharon Moore, uh, what that looks like in terms of building out his staff with the coordinator hire. So we're going to get into all that, uh, before we do just briefly, just to remind this episode, uh, we are always brought to you by meet at midfield.com, uh, which is my website with, uh, with Patrick and, uh, Taylor Fulton and Kevin Harris, our Michigan and Ohio state writers, uh, it is the internet's best college football website. Uh, we talk about, uh, the whole national college football scene about Ohio State, about Michigan, the Big Ten. Um, we have our podcasts, uh, premium podcast every single week uh, with High Street Freaks, the Ohio State podcast, and this one flipping the field, uh, as well as premium articles and and truly a, a fantastic message board full of some some real freaks out there. Uh, <laughs> so if you guys want to come hang out, uh, come subscribe and join. Uh, it is, I will say this, I mean, one of the more active and robust off-season message boards you will ever find in your life. Uh, these freaks love uh, coaching changes and transfer portals and everything else in between, just talking about the theoretical playoff scenario. So it's a great place to be, uh, come boogie with us. But with that having been said, um, let's get into it here. Uh, Dan, I'm kind of going to let you take the floor first. Obviously, we know uh, Harbaugh left for the Chargers. I know you're a big fan and disciple, I think some people would say, of of Chris Ballas and John U. Bacon, John U. Epic Bacon. <laughs> um, how would you say, how blindsided are you feeling by this news? Oh, yeah. I mean, as a guy that uh, gets most of his news from at Michigan Nation 2 on Twitter, um, <laughs> I, I absolutely did not see this coming. Uh, I thought that Jim was, you know, uh, we were just waiting. I mean, dude, just one more deal, bro. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> Ward's really about to uh, to to take away all the clauses that um, were apparently holding up the deal of a guy that clearly has wanted to be in the NFL for three years. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. This is I, I almost sort of feel bad for the insiders because there's a certain amount of stuff that they have to say to keep their you know which is the case of any, uh, for any fan base a certain amount of stuff they have to like put out from their sources to like you know keep those sources because it's access journalism at you know the highest level um and the michigan ad clearly like wanted to and you know probably had to put out a certain level of confidence that harbaugh would be back um even though that was like never the case like it just it, it, if you just you would have been better off a thousand times better off just trusting your own eyes and ears and, and, and logic and, you know, figuring out what jo- what, what Jim Harbaugh definitely wanted to do rather than, you know, going off of what the insiders had been saying, um, you know, to their credit, they, they came around like the last couple of weeks, but it just, 
I'm 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 almost glad that it's over. Uh, you know, I'm I'm obviously very sad to see Jim Harbaugh go, but it is nice to like not have to deal with that shit anymore. It was getting incredibly annoying. Yeah, and I mean, look, he went out as good as he possibly could have, right? I mean, it's you know one of the the best seasons for Northern team in recent memory. It's an undefeated national championship. They did it, you know, despite suspensions, all that stuff, which were deserved. Uh, but <laughs> they got the job done and won a title and. You know, it's 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 a great run, and, and obviously he goes out on top. And you know, I, I think like, and maybe this isn't fair, but the prevailing theory I think when he was hired is like, if Jim Harbaugh can't do it at Michigan, who possibly could anymore? And I, I think you know, obviously he achieved all of those expectations: make the playoff three years in a row, three straight Big Ten championships, three straight wins over Ohio State, culminating with an undefeated national championship, and you know, beating Nick Saban to do it. it it's obviously a fantastic accomplishment, and. Uh, about as good as you could have hoped or expect for out of his tenure, I think. And I'm kind of curious to see what it looks like going forward. Not, not so much in the coaching hire. I think we'll talk about that in a second because I think it feels like a foregone conclusion. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Justice, I'll kind of kick it to you here. I guess just coming out of this, like, how do you feel about like where the Michigan program looks like in terms of its health going forward out of the Jim Harbaugh era? Like as he obviously takes off the NFL and a bunch of guys declare for the draft. Like what does Michigan look like in the post Harbaugh world to you for the immediate future? I'd like to call myself a grass is greener um, person in terms of everyone's panicking and, and I'm trying to find the green patches that no one's looking at. And I'm really excited because it's finally like back to football and like, that's like, we can just watch football now. And that's just like, what is what the experience is going to be is watching football and paying attention to recruiting. Like it's going to be a normal experience, not a, like a circus. And I'm not even saying circus as a derogatory discredit to what Harbaugh did. I think what Harbaugh built here is obviously pretty special. I mean, you highlighted the season they had and for good reason, he was here for nine years and was able to do things in the back half there that proved his prophecy and fulfilled it and all that. And seemed like the perfect time to go. I personally believe regardless of what, I mean, Ward Manuel is inept for many reasons. However, I don't believe this is something we need to pin directly on Ward Manuel. Like, I think we're just lying to ourselves at that point. If we don't, if we think that's what it came down to, um, knowing Jim Harbaugh, knowing how money is but an object to him at this point in his career. Um, I just don't buy that. I, I buy the clauses for sure. hundred uh, percent. Just given the reality of the situation with the uh, allegations and, uh, the proven stuff, just a matter of what the the punishment was going to be. So I understand the the language around him wanting some some credit there to to some insurance, I guess, whatever the hell you want to call it, dude. I can't come up with words. Regardless, whatever <laughs> insurance he was looking for, I get that side of it. What I don't get, or what I what I like want to point out, is that PR is like a nasty, nasty game, and for all this stuff to come out right after he makes his decision that oh well, Michigan didn't try hard enough. I mean, Harbaugh is a guy who's oblivious enough where his agent will do some vetting without him really ever knowing because he's just oblivious to what goes on in his PR side of the world, I would imagine, you know, just knowing the guy as well as we do. Right. So I think the good news is that it's back to football. You know, the, like I think it wasn't his choice, but this was Jim Harbaugh's team. This was never Michigan football. This was always oh, Jim Harbaugh's program. It was covered as such. It was judged as such. It was immediately drawn anything that happened was always to the highest extent because Harbaugh was here. Now it's just back to football, which to me is super fucking exciting. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, but it's very exciting. 
Yeah, no, we're a Christian podcast. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to tell, I got to tell Joe. Well, luckily, Harbaugh is not interested in Michigan football podcast anymore. So if he listens, we will no longer offend him. So, yeah, there you go. No, I mean, yeah, I, I think the interesting part too is like seeing how the roster shakes out over the next, you know, few months here. Uh, you know, I think as again, we, as we've said a couple times here, the expect, expectation is that Sharon Moore is going to be promoted to head coach. I think it's the overwhelming likelihood, uh, which obviously that, that continuity effect, I think, would mitigate transfers. Uh, you saw similarly with like when Ohio State promoted Brian Day or when Oklahoma promoted Lincoln Riley. Those teams didn't suffer from a ton of transfer exits because of you know they kept the internal promotion. But Michigan is also at 104 scholarship players today. And I, I know the 85 scholarship limit is – a little more flexible in the NIL era where you can pay guys to, you know, take over the scholarship, but there are still like, you can fudge it a bit. You can't fudge it by, you know, 19 players. So I do assume we're going to see some roster management, some exits and probably some additions to patch up holes with the parting guys over the next uh, few months for Michigan. So I'm very curious to see what that looks like as spring football goes ahead and uh, kind of how they deal with some of those losses as well. Like there, there are certain rooms where you're not going to be super worried, especially the defensive line room and the secondary are in fantastic place. And I think, linebacker will be solid as well but you know a lot large chunks of that offense are going to have very new faces to them and i'm kind of curious to see how the depth is managed or kind of what this looks like going forward and just who sticks around who's gone and, and just see what happens it's, it's a young team i mean they only have i think i was counted up i think like maybe 10 or close to it seniors on next year's roster um it's a pretty small group of guys who are expiring eligibility after 2024 so might see a bit of a youth boom for Michigan, which I'm curious to see. And I'm sure we're going to talk about throughout the offseason. It's not quite what we're doing today, but I do think it's going to be instrumental in, in seeing how Michigan succeeds or doesn't going forward, uh, obviously. Uh, it's <laughs> no secret that uh, rosters make for championships. But, um, yeah, look, man, I, I mean, in terms of the coaching hires here, let's just get into it because, again, we're all expecting Sheryl Moore to be the hire. Is there anyone else, and I guess, Dan, you can lead off here, like, is there anyone else you expect them to, you know, at least vet, interview, call before that happens? Or is it just a formality and it's done when it's done? Uh, I wish I could give you more to talk about here, but I think it's a formality, like 100%. Um, I, like, I, I think that, I think it was already, like, it came out today, I think, that they're looking to get a waiver because, like, state law requires that you have the job open for seven days for, like, a public position. Yeah. And they already requested a waiver to like not do that and just promote Sharon more. Um, every insider has been in, you know, 100% unanimous agreement that Sharon's like the coach in waiting and he has been for a couple of years. So like, it's, I guess, honestly, like I'll say it just because of like, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question as in like what I would like them to do potentially. Like, I know people hate this, but I wouldn't hate them like picking up the phone with Brian Kelly um, or Lance Leipold. Those are pretty much the only ones that I would like. If it was up to me, I would at least have them interview. I would go through the process. But that said, like, I think ultimately the decision I would make is to promote Sharon Moore. And that's the decision they're definitely going to make. Um, it's just, it's it's what they've been planning to do for years now. Um, now you, you can argue whether that's, you know, Brian's made the point on Twitter uh, uh, many times now, I think. And, you know, I agree that, like, it's usually not a good idea to promote a coordinator, um, even one that's like under a, uh, you know, a, a historically successful head coach. Um, but there's times that it has worked. I mean, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley, um, even at Michigan, you know, going back to 
you know, the bow, the end of the bow years, um, they uh, promoted Mo uh, Moeller, Gary Moeller, who was a very successful coach in his own right until he, you know, um, got too drunk and had like a, a bar and got fired. So like, I don't know, it, this is just the way that Michigan operates. And I think it makes sense for, for in this instance, I, I don't expect them to look anywhere else, even if I might like them to. Yeah, I mean, I think like the Michigan man hiring pattern seems to be locked in for the future too, right? Like it's, I know we can all make fun of it. Or I don't know if you guys do. I, you know, the rest of the world can make fun of it. Never, uh, never. Yeah. <laughs> Take it very seriously. <laughs> but like, there is something to it that in this rivalry with these two teams, I don't know. I've talked about with Ohio state. Like if you pull up like every Ohio state coach who is like in holding the position while Michigan's won a title, uh, six of the eight coaches that have had that happen uh, were non-Ohio natives. And like, you know, two of the, I think it's like 10 coaches that are Ohio natives that have coached Ohio state uh, allowed Michigan to win a title during their watch. And like the rivalry for Ohio coaches versus non Ohio native coaches is like ridiculous. And for Michigan, you look at, uh, it's not that like hiring a Michigan works well every time, but not hiring one seems to, you know, be a fuck up most times. The obvious exception of Bo, you know, a long time ago. Um, it, it seems like it was perfectly with no asterisks or any, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hindsight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I haven't Googled the name Bo Schembecker in like, you know, uh, five years now. So I'm assuming that's still a hundred percent, uh, looked upon well. Yep. Yeah. Perfect hire. Great legacy. No, but, uh, I mean, like from a football perspective went as well as could be right. Just, you yep. know, excuse me, off field stuff. And, and like, there is something to that, that you almost have to know this rivalry in your bones and, well, I think Lance Leipold and Brian Kelly are much safer bets to keep Michigan at a high level as a program. Like, I think people would have said that about Ryan David to go for Urban Meyer, like the continuity is a success. And, but he, I don't know if he gets it in the same way someone who's been in it gets it. And, and more, I think, does, right? He's obviously already coached a game in this rivalry. He's a one to no record in it. Um, he, you know, was very successful in his interim head coaching tenure when he was not suspended himself and he was, you know, taking over when Harbaugh was out. Uh, he did very well. Uh, I mean, it, it worked. They beat Penn State on the road. They beat Ohio State. Uh, he did his job. Um, yeah, and I also, like, other... Oh, okay. go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I think another thing to point out in that compare, because like, people are going to compare it, right? They're definitely going to say, this is just like Brian Day, of course. Easy. Easy to do that. However, what's the biggest indictment on Ryan Day? I know there are several in your mind. Like the, the biggest one is in-game coaching, right? He, he just, he's not built to coach in a game. He can't make decisions in a split second. He constantly against Michigan the last three years has just pretty Flash. much waved the flag, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. punting at his punting at midfield, like annually is not an Ohio state thing. And not, not Ohio state that I knew for, you know, 15 years prior. So I think the difference is we saw Sharon in game. He had the, Conus to run the ball 31 times in a row and win a game on the road in Happy Valley during a whiteout in the top 10 game. Like that carries weight, you know, then beating Ohio State at home, obviously, as well. But I think it's really the in game decisions, you know, the, the go for it's on fourth down, that drive for eight minutes in the fourth quarter against Ohio State. Um, I think that he has a more proven track record because of the opportunities he just kind of fell into this year. So I think that the comparisons to Ryan Day are a bit week but again i understand it the situation is is exactly the same and, and continuity is a lower ceiling and a higher floor type of vibe so i get it and that's kind of like where ohio state's program is at right you guys have a pretty 
high floor, but your ceiling is always below Michigan. It has been the last three years. I mean, it's, it's there's no argument about it. I don't know if the ceiling was lower necessarily, but obviously they couldn't achieve it because of Ryan Day's in-game coaching, essentially. Yeah. And I think that's a valid point and certainly a, a track record. I mean, Day had had his three games in a run, but they were against TCU and some like G5 slappies that weren't competitive games. So it's not right. the same test or same crucible that Moore went through. Uh, but the other interesting point, if you are if you say that that isn't Day's biggest flaw, the other one you would point to are his staff hires and his inability to like maximize a coaching staff and program around him and the way he builds it. And I think that's an interesting point for Moore and something we're going to talk about a lot in today's episode is who does he hire? It, it, assuming he is the head coach, again, we're all assuming here. Who does he hire as his as his DC to replace Jesse Minter as he goes to the Chargers with with Jim Harbaugh? Again, we're all assuming. Um, who does he hire as OC to replace himself? Like, even if you have confidence in more, you know, as a recruiter, as a program manager, as a game manager, all these things, which I, I think, you know, you certainly have a right to. The other interesting part is like, and we're gonna you you won't know until you know, but we're gonna learn very quickly. How good is he at building a staff? Can he maximize everything else around him? is he going to fall into the trap of a lot of first-time coaches who were coordinators that they have is that they still want to do their old job too and just add on new responsibilities? Or is he going to build a staff to maximize a program the way an experienced head coach should? And I'm very curious to find out because like some of the names, you know, there's a lot of room to keep Michigan at or very near the top of even the new Big Ten with added competition and there's also a lot of room, like with the way the roster is changing and new coaches coming in to run the show, that he could fuck it up pretty fast too. And it's it's the same situation that they faced. And you could also end up somewhere in the middle where you're good but never great again. Um, and I think that's a really fascinating part to see how he does there. I think that's the most important thing I want to see out of him over the course of the next month as we learn about this staff. Yeah, I think um, I think that the defensive coordinator hire is like – a major bellwether like that's the first test you know um i personally like w- would i i don't think i'd be like apoplectic if he promoted plink or uh you know steve plink scale or mike elston um but i wouldn't be happy about it uh i would i, I think i guess maybe we're kind of getting into the next section here but like i want to see him perform an actual search like this is the th- this defensive coordinator hire is going to be a really important for Michigan, but be like very um, revelatory in terms of like how he's going to operate as a staff builder. Um, and it's, it's very important. I mean, look, this is a very, this is the team that a program that just won a national title and a program that's probably going to have another top five defense just based on personnel next year. Like they're assuming they bring everyone Absolutely. back, which seems yeah. like, you know, they're, they're going to have, they're going to have elite NFL talent at the most important positions, you know, uh, Mason Graham, Mason Graham and and Kenneth Grant would be like, you know, that's enough to basically build like a top 15 defense on their own. If you just replace them with like, you know, surround them with like, you know, uh, replacement level players. They're also bringing back uh, Derek Moore and and uh, Josiah Stewart, uh, Josiah Stewart yeah. who were like who were underrated edges. They had really high pass rush win rates on the year. Um, and then, you know, Will Johnson, the whole secondary is coming back. We don't need to go through every player, but this is a loaded defense for another year. And there's no reason that he should not be able to, um, there's no reason they should not be able to bring in a top, uh, talent at, you know, that, that fits the personnel and, and, you know, kind of keeps that continuity, you know, maybe it's probably not just, you know, replace them with another Ravens guy, but, you know, guys like Jim Leonard, guys like, uh, you know, there's, there's NFL guys that, that run odd fronts and, and, um, 
you know, complex zone coverages that can keep going what what has really carried Michigan to the success that they've had the past three years. Yeah. Yeah, all totally fair. And I think we're going to talk about when we get to the OC position, but just as a general look here, like I think the difference between Sharon Moore's DC hire and his OC hire is that he knows or has worked with a bunch of guys who would be good hires at DC, or at least guys with connections to the Midwest who would not be that hard to get. I think he has a, a bevy of good options at DC that I think settling for an internal promotion would be pretty, I think, pretty disappointing, frankly. At the OC hire, <laughs> and which we'll talk about a bit later, uh, I scanned through every coaching staff he's ever been on, and I don't know if there was like a single guy who he's who he's worked with who has any kind of OC experience or aspirations who would be what I'd call close to a good hire. Maybe one, and I don't know if he can get him. Um, that's going to be a test of like, yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of first-time coaches settle for this familiarity aspect of like you know they're going into a new challenge they want to be with guys they've gone to war with before and who they know they can work with and surround themselves with that and it's an an understandable instinct but i think often the wrong ones you are much better served by finding the best possible talent you get these positions and being a little uncomfortable and i think that's gonna be an interesting test because like look clay scale and elston like you said wouldn't be outright disasters or i know some folks have also floated rick minter which i think is kind of funny uh, he's 70 years old. Let let him retire. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's not the best they can do. Like when Jim Leonard's available, no. when Charlie Strong's available, who, uh, you know, I, I think has his own issues and challenges, but is a, a proven good coach and a very veteran one. When he has his experience, you know, working with, with more previously, when you have other guys out there, uh, Clint Hurt, who is now out of a job after Pete Carroll got fired in Seattle. He was the Seahawks DC like there are enough names out there you can look at um, that he should have a bevy of options. But I think we can all agree the clear best one here. It's time to bring home Don Brown. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Dude, I feel, I still I feel bad for signs. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody has ever gotten more smoke for having like statistically some of the best Michigan defenses ever. But I mean, it was uh, he deserves it. Like, I mean, it was it, you can't you can't have collapses like that against Ohio State. Yeah. But what a Don, Don Brown defenses Don Brown defenses against Ohio State or Ryan Day offenses against Michigan. <laughs> I I wouldn't even give him that much credit, honestly. I don't think I, don't, <laughs> I would say maybe the Ryan Day offenses versus Missouri. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so let's talk through some options, right? I mean, I'll say like I know a good bit about Clink from his time at Kentucky. I, I, I know that staff pretty well, and I've heard people speak highly of Steve scale. Um, Mike Elston, I just kind of know from his Notre Dame time. I haven't followed him as closely, you know, but, but I guess justice, I'll start here with you. Like, what is your perception of what Elston or clean scale would be as DCs? Would you be happy with that hire? Would you be satisfied with it? Is it feel like a reach to you? What's your stance on, on hiring those two as co-DCs or something else? So when Elston came here from Notre Dame, the notion was that he was, he was wanting like a defensive coordinator position of some former fashion. And, and as I, as I understood it, he didn't really have coordinator aspirations. And, you know, given that he coached as long as he did at Notre Dame, I figured those aspirations might, might not ever come if, if they're not coming yet. Right. And so I thought, and I think a lot of people in the masses really thought that he left Notre Dame because of the opportunity to be, to be a coordinator, but it was more about coming back to Michigan and, you know, doing what he's done since he's been here. Um, I mean, he said that, but you think coach speak in real time, but watching it all 
kind of play out, I think kind of proved he meant what he said there, which is not not usual uh, in that position, in my opinion. Usually you see guys say that. I mean, Harbaugh said he was done after the 2022 with the NFL stuff. And, you know, here we are. Right. So, um, yeah, I think Elson just doesn't have those aspirations, to be quite honest. And that might have changed, you know, or maybe they do name him co-DC and, and he takes it because, you know, they they offer him the responsibility, right, or the raise or whatever it may be. Um, but as far as the functionality of those two, I mean, no, it's not sexy and it's it's not something to get. You know, what worries me is that they're not disciples of Jesse Minter. Jesse Minter's too young to have disciples. He's he's like a he's like a crypto guy of coordinators, you know, like no, <laughs> there's nobody beneath yeah. him. He's the, he is the first generation rich guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only guy who obviously the only guy who knows anything enough about Jesse would be Rick. And we, and we just, you know, trolled the whole 70 year old on a sideline thing. So, I, you know, it's tough. I think you got to go outside at least interview outside for a, not at least interview outside in like a Sharon Moore head coach style. I mean, like interview outside and try to find someone in my opinion. Uh, Jim Leonard's obviously, to me, the slam dunk of it all, right? But, you know, he's as in demand as anyone. So I do think Michigan needs though? to... I guess that's an interesting point. Do, do, are we yeah, sure he's true. not in demand? Like, yeah, I, I, I think... think... He's like... It, isn't the word out on him that, like, he... At least what I have heard, and I don't, like... I mean, this I'm not sourcing this anywhere, is that, like, the coaching fraternity was pretty pissed off about the way that he stabbed uh Chris and the Paul Chris in the back on the way out. Yeah. He pulled a Kevin uh, Steele. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of didn't I feel like it wouldn't have been an issue if he backed it up even a little bit, but then Wisconsin arguably sucked even worse uh, as soon as he took over. So yeah, I mean I think that that that's sort of depressing his value, but like I don't know, man. I I'd bring him in. Like he's a perfect fit. Like they run an odd front. Like he's you ba- you're basically giving him the opportunity to run, uh, you know, four-star Wisconsin defense, which would kick ass. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he, from a scheme perspective, he's a perfect fit. From a, just an area perspective, he's great. Uh, and I think it also probably serves his desires, too. Like, right. the the idea that we can all tell is that Jim Leonard wants to be the head coach at Wisconsin. And based on the way Luke Fickle is hiring his staff these first two years, uh, I am like he losing <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'm quickly losing faith. He's going to keep that job. So, if Leonard wants to put himself in position to get back to Wisconsin, he needs a high profile like coordinatorship, or whether it's in college, a big time college program, or the NFL, he has to do something to get ready for that. Um, and he took a year off last year. I think he was an analyst somewhere, maybe with the Bears, if I recall correctly. But you got to kind of get back on the horse here pretty soon if you want to get to the timing lined up. So I think it's about time for him to take a job. I think it's a very natural fit. To me, this would be the obvious hire. Just and to play the string. Him, I mean, it's like you, yeah. you literally just get to walk in and have a bunch of super, I mean, it's perfect for him, right? Like he can, he can walk in here, have like a top, he could sleepwalk to a top five defense for like a year at least and probably be, you know, by then, he could get a job next cycle if he wants, you know, as a head coach. Yeah, yeah, probably. And like it's it, Clink and, and Elston are also pretty strong recruiters as well, which helps. Uh, I mean, I think you can get more talent coming behind them. Obviously, we've seen Michigan be very willing to use the transfer portal to bring in guys. So even if you have another exodus after next season with more of these guys that just came back going to the league, 
you're not going to be out of the opportunity to have talent on the roster. Like you should be fine for a couple of years minimum, or, or like you said, jump after a year. Uh, and also, I, I mean, I, I think just the way the staff is currently composed, even if you lose Minter, you're going to likely keep, I, I'd be shocked if Elston left basically, or if Klingscale left, if they don't get the job. I don't think they have that kind of command. You get to hire your own safeties coach, your own linebackers coach. Uh, obviously Partridge is gone and Jay Harbaugh is going to get a Nepo job with his dad. So you have it. You get to put a little bit of your own stamp on the staff while still keeping this great roster and a couple of great assistants around you, and getting to run the show completely because more is not going to meddle in what you do. Uh, it's your gig. Yeah, I think yeah. that it's a phenomenal job. I mean, there it just this is, in my opinion, I'm like it's fuck it, I don't care. They just won the national championship. This is as good of a job as if like the Alabama D- DC job came up. It's just. There's no Saban there, right? Obviously, he's the the big reason why you take a job at Bama because of the, the mentorship and all that. So there's no hardball to attract someone in, right? Sharon proved himself as far as he deserves this job, but I don't know if he's proved himself as an elite name wants to come work for you. I, I think that's kind of where I worry about what happens with this. But at the same time, I think the personnel is going to take care of it this year, so long as they don't drastically change anything and unless they hire some and it's, it would be very un-Michigan to hire someone who's going to come in and do something completely different, right? So as long as someone comes in with a similar, you know, just a similar mindset, again, like we talk about someone that matches the front and stuff, as long as we, as long as they hire somebody like that, I just don't really see there being a fall off in year one, but I'm, I'm worried thereafter. And, you know, I mean, Michigan's third DC, they can't, you think they're going to go three for three? I don't know. It's just law probabilities yeah, scaring the shit out of me here. So, yeah, yeah. So, so let's say let's talk about some other names just for posterity's sake. I threw out Charlie Strong out there. Uh, he was an analyst last year for uh, Alabama after he resigned at Miami. He was pissed because they didn't give him the DC job at Miami, so he resigned again. Obviously, has a lot of familiarity with Strong. He is the one. He didn't hire him at Louisville, but he was, uh, I think, head coach after Moore's first year at Louisville for the next four. Um, so they have some familiarity working together there. He was the first one to give more a full-time uh, assistantship and get out of the GA position. Uh, you have Clint Hurt, who I mentioned, is the Seahawks DC who just left with uh, – I mean, he hasn't gotten a job yet. He was on Pete Carroll's staff. And, I mean, he was a pretty solid DC. It wouldn't shock me if he got a job somewhere else this season, but it's not like he's a slam dunk guy either. Um, you would look at, you know, Wink Martindale's name. I think it got thrown around a little bit here. He obviously worked with, uh, John Harbaugh for a decade. Uh, he's been the DC for the Ravens and the Giants for the last, I think five or, you know, he was the Giants DC for the last two years and Ravens for a good while before that, I think about five years. He's also 60 and hasn't coached college balls since 2003. Um, an intriguing name to me is to be the Chargers defensive coordinator. I mean, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. That makes way more sense. You know, he's been in the league much longer than Minter has. I think they just need to go the logical route there, personally. <laughs> I think you hope uh, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Minter's going to be, I feel like, a bit, real quick on that, like, I think Minter's going to the NFL regardless of whether he follows yeah. Harbaugh. He's going to get a job with the, hopefully with the Eagles. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Fangio uh, will be nasty. Yeah. Uh, the other guy, another NFL name I, I'm going to throw out there that I haven't seen anyone post about, maybe I missed it, is uh, Joe Cullen, uh, who is the Kansas City Chiefs defensive line coach. He was actually the D.C. under Urban Meyer at Jacksonville in 2021. Uh, the defense was not, wasn't uh, sick, but it wasn't the problem either. <laughs> uh, but he also has not coached college ball since 2009. 
when he did, he spent time in Indiana and Illinois and also worked with the Lions for a good while. He knows the Midwest. Uh, I think Joe Cullen would be a pretty sneaky good hire uh, at D.C. if they choose to go that route. But I, I wouldn't say he's like the likeliest option. Um, besides that, a couple other college names I'm going to throw out, uh, again, just for posterity's sake. Uh, Sean Nua, a guy, Justice, I know you know very well. Um, he was the interim DC at USC this year after Alex Grinch got fired. He's the co-DC. Um, they just brought in the Anton Lynn, uh, who's another Ravens guy to run the show for them. Um, I wonder if he went somewhere with more responsibility and kind of get his own show. And also Al Washington, who coached with more at Michigan in 2018, um, more known as a great recruiter than necessarily a great like defensive mind, but, uh, he, he is the run game coordinator, defensive line coach at Notre Dame. I guess the problem there is just overlap with Elston and, and if you're going to keep Elston on staff, just Washington know enough to do other things. I mean, he's, he's been a linebacker coach in the past, but he's definitely more of a, a defensive line coach. And I wonder how much overlap you want. I guess same question with Sean Nua, but uh, do any of those names stick out to you guys more than the rest? If they, if they don't go lighter, they don't go internal. Do any names kind of jump out to you or anyone I didn't say as, as a natural option or a good option? Yeah, I, I, I think um, if they didn't go, if they didn't go with, uh, Leonard, or they didn't go internal. Um, I mean, honestly, if they didn't go Leonard, I'd want them to go like just bring in another NFL guy route. Um, I I don't really I don't I don't think that I think because of the way Michigan has built their program, which is specifically like to be good at defending Ohio State, that should still involve bringing in like you know Bill O'Brien's still an NFL guy. He's still going to run probably a very similar NFL. Uh, you know, passing spread. Um, I want, I, I don't really want like a college guy coming in. I, I don't want to bring in a guy that's like used to defending a lot of like college offenses with college quarterbacks. Um, I think honestly, like that's, that's what got Don Brown in trouble. Like he, he was a, he's a college defensive coordinator. Um, I, I, I want a guy that's going to, you know, maximize like the level of experience that we have on the roster next year by like running a complex defense with, you know, a lot that utilizes a lot of different coverages. Um, I know that's like simplistic and maybe I'm, you know, being, being like, you know, I don't know, overly simplistic. You just say, Hey, Brian, bring in another NFL guy because that's what's worked. Um, but I'm not particularly, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not particularly inspired by a lot of the college guys on here. Yeah. Justice. Yeah. At that point I would just go, internal unless you can grab some sort of nfl spell like you have the last couple of years right i mean at that point that's just throwing darts for, for me because i don't i don't know any of these people right and maybe they know somebody that we don't know that they know we'd have to do some like uh, charlie day like tracking down uh red red string type shit to figure out who they know in the nfl not something i'll be doing but um you know outside of that like unless they can find a, a literal replica of the last two guys that they've found which i think at this point i doubt um then yeah i would just hire within because again it's it is the low risk thing but i think that's okay this year because of your personnel I, you know i think they're safe i think this is a safe year to take the safer out personally and we all know how fluid college football is and there's no problem in betting on what you have right now this year and, and being wrong about it, especially coming off the season you just had. So uh, I just err on the side of internal. Uh, I just worry who that might be because they don't really have a lot of play callers uh, on that side. Yeah. So, um, and if Elston doesn't have the aspirations, I think he's got the most chops, but I don't know if he has the most aspirations. I think Clink does. And I don't, I don't know what Clink can do. I know the secondary has been pretty badass, so I would, trust his judgment in that regard but i mean as far as play calling goes i think that's where things kind of get up in the air 
Um, so that's where I'm at with it. I just go internal to be safe, but because because we can, because the personnel allows you to, right? So I think it depends sure. to a clink. Sorry, not to cut you. I think it depends. Like, I would be okay with. I guess I don't have a lot of like visibility into this, but if Clink has been like studying up to be the guy, I still would rather go with Leonard or an NFL guy, but I'd be more like, I don't think Elston has the, the uh, aspirations to be defensive coordinator. I think he's a guy that's like happy where he's at. If Clink has been the guy that's like, Hey, like I've really been learning from Minter and, you know, Minter and McDonald the past three years, like I'd be, I'd be more comfortable with giving him a shot to like run the defense. Um, but again, like I wouldn't be thrilled about that. Still would rather have Leonard. I, I think it's just, you know, like that Leonard's the slam dunk. And then I, I, then from there, I'd rather have um, Hurt or one, one of the NFL guys. Yeah. The one thing that I don't know how much we would ding him for this. Cause it was, you know, eight, nine years ago at this point, but Clink did get a DC gig once in Cincinnati. Uh, he was the DC there in 2015. And I don't have any context for that roster as well at the time. I don't remember that. I'm not, I'm not, I can't say I have like, you know, identic recall for <laughs> for uh, Cincinnati that far back. But uh, they were ranked 91st in scoring defense and 86th in yards per play. Um, and I'm sure he's learned plenty since then. We know he has. It's been a bigger job under very good DCs, whether it was, you know, uh, Brad White at Kentucky or uh, or Minter or McDonald at, at Michigan. There's been plenty of guys he's worked under who I think you'd feel good about. Uh, but it is an interesting risk to take. And um the other question that I think a lot of folks have thrown around is this idea of like just going back to the the Ravens well, where they had the last few years. I don't know if we'll know this, but like I wonder if that well is still open the way it has been. Like John Harbaugh got to use his like best position coaches as like a finishing school at Michigan to go, you know, BDCs and kind of spread their wings. Um obviously he's a Michigan guy and an alum and still has a lot of fond kind of support for Michigan, when to see his brother win a title, when to see Michigan succeed. And I'm not saying he doesn't give a fuck about Michigan, but I wonder if he gives much less of a fuck now that Jim is not there. And like, is he still going to, you know, help Sharon out with like sending, you know, his best and brightest to Michigan for a couple of years, go be a DC, or does he just not really care anymore? And he's going to let Sharon do it on his own. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much it'll matter. I don't know if it's like, there's not like an obvious Ravens assistant. Who's the guy this year. I think folks mentioned um, uh, Zach Orr, who's their inside linebackers coach, is a name I've seen tossed around, I think, on the Michigan rival site. But I don't know, like, how much sense that makes or if that's, like, no longer a logical thread to follow because Jim is gone. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Like, it's, it's you know, it's not going to be the same. I don't think it's going to be the same type of, like, uh, connection between the two staffs. Um, I was I would say, like, if they're going – they could still like if they feel like there is a guy on that staff that is like, you know, again, I don't know the Raven staff off the back of my, you know, uh, like the back of my hand. But like if there's a guy on that staff, that they feel like they could legitimately, you know, pry away with, you know, the the promise of like, hey, like you've seen what the last two guys have done. Like you could be the next Jesse Minter. You could be the next Mike McDonald. Um, I would be. But like, I, I don't think I don't think that more should just go back to that well because it's what's worked right like you don't want to just be saying like, oh yeah let's get another ravens guy like i i would rather him like if, if again if they don't get leonard if there's not like a next up guy that they can take away from the ravens i'd, I'd rather them like okay get like an actual proven nfl defensive coordinator 
you know, from yeah. somewhere else that, yeah. or like a, not a proven NFL coordinator, like a, a guy from the NFL that has experience calling, you know, calling a defense. Like it's, it, I don't think they just need to go back to the exact same thing that's worked the last three years. Yeah. I think that's where you get into that, like law of probabilities that justice mentioned, like <laughs> just diminishing returns as well. Like I, I wouldn't bet on finding three straight great DCs who are all position coaches for the same pro, like same, same franchise. Right. I think at a certain point, you might stop getting lucky. You might be better off just hiring the best possible guy and not going back to the same well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to keep talking about assistance, talking about the OC hire, and also what's up with Ben Herbert. Before we do that really quick, uh, I will mention that uh, we are also brought to you by Homefield Apparel, uh, our wonderful and only sponsor. Uh, <laughs> here the Internet's uh, top purveyor of vintage collegiate apparel. Uh, they have all kinds of gear out there. You know, If you listen to this, it's a Michigan fan, they have Michigan championship gear. Uh, they also have some great new drops every week. We just had a... a Arkansas dropped this week and the Nevada one last week. There is uh, gear for every school on there. If you're an Ohio State fan, plenty of Buckeyes gear. Uh, any team, really, you can imagine. They have damn near every FBS team at this point. Um, it is the best, you know, collegiate apparel on the market. Uh, if you guys have never bought gear from there somehow, uh, you can use the code meet at midfield for 15% off of your first purchase. Um, cool. So, other than the DC hire, the biggest question to me is, will Ben Herbert stay as their strength coach? Um, we are in the middle of a good old-fashioned source-off right now. Um, you have <laughs> Bruce Feldman reporting that Herbert is likely to go with Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers. Um, on the other hand, you have Sam Webb, Chris Ballas, John U. Epic Bacon, and a few others all reporting that he's likely to stay at Michigan. Uh, he did just sign a new contract extension at Michigan is very handsomely paid for a strength coach. I think it's 1.6 million per year, if I recall correctly. Uh, which notably, which is, I don't think like you don't make as much in the NFL. I think that's, that's a sticking point. A hundred percent. You also work like, you know, 20 weeks of the year. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> fair. <laughs> and you like have to like do some supervised lifts for like five guys who all have, you know, private personal trainers anyway. Right. It's like, it's um, not even like a job. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. That's, and, I guess I, I, yeah. Because of that, that's why I don't think he's going. Because I don't think he's that kind of guy. Like I, yeah, like that guy is locked in. He does not want to do that shit. He's not going to leave for the. I'm not saying that's what anyone's insinuating. I know we're just highlighting it, but I don't think he's going to leave for that perk because I don't think he sees it as perk. Yeah. I think he's like just a go home. But but I guess the other question then too, if we're talking about like self perception, I doubt any strength coach in the NFL talks about themselves as like a guy who does part-time work, even though we all know that's what they do. I bet they all still think of themselves like hardos who shape the team, right? It's kind of a hundred percent too. They're all freaks. They're all like, absolutely. They're all LinkedIn posters. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're Um, not, they're they're not, they're not looking at this like, Oh sweet dude, I can do half the work. Like definitely a guy like Ben Herbert is, would hate that. I don't know. I guess I I hate to be like, I, I don't, I usually don't like you like, do the analysis of like oh like that just doesn't make any sense like why would he do that because we don't know what these guys want like they're humans you know there's there's other things going on like behind the scenes like maybe his wife wants to would love to live in la and like they have family out there like who knows you know i but i do just think like what's the draw for him you know like this is a guy that it really enjoys being a strength and condition coach he's the highest paid strength and condition coach in the country i think and like he's hold he's gonna hold you know he's gonna have more like He's going to have more sway behind him or more power in that program um, in terms of like, I don't know, reputation than like the head coach at this point. You know, like he's he's going to be the guy. And I, I don't know, like I just don't I don't see 
a reason why he'd want to go be, like you said, an NFL strength and conditioning coach when like NFL strength, and you know, like you said, th- those guys all have personal trainers. They're not doing, they're doing like maintenance lifts during yeah. camp. You know what I mean? It's not, they're not doing anything. He's not going to be, yeah. it just it's for the practice the squad thing. guys. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I-, I guess like the one pitch you could make on that is loyalty to Jim Harbaugh. Um, if you wanted to sell it that way, but I- again, I-, I don't know the guy, but here's the other part. And I- I'm not casting aspersions here. I know from just about every, every time I've tried to look up like, coverage of strength coaches, different programs. As you guys know, this is like an autistic obsession of mine. I love football strength conditioning. I love learning about it. There are no beat writers in the country who actually like have the strength conditioning coach as a source. None of them talk to those guys because they don't know jack shit about it. And I think like we've also learned from the last few months that Sam Webb, Chris Ballas, John Bacon, like their sources are less Webb than the rest of them. Their sources are primarily administration guys. Like they're hearing he's going to stay from the confidence of admin guys. And I get why they feel confident. They just gave him a huge, big contract. And I'm sure he's saying that. I'm not saying he's going to leave or, or he's not going to leave. But I do, if I had to bet out of any of these guys to have a relationship with Ben Herbert, knowing the access he gets for his freaks list and how often he hypes at Michigan guys and spent time there for that, it's Bruce Feldman. Like Feldman is the guy who would actually know Herbert out of anyone reporting on this, in my opinion. I don't know if you guys think I'm wrong. You probably know the Michigan beat better than I do, but that's my perception from the outside. Yeah, I guess it's a question of who you think is giving is giving uh, Feldman the, the the freaks list guys. Um, and also, like, how much, I guess, how good are Feldman's Michigan sources given the fact that, like, the past couple of months have probably kind of soured a lot of people on Bruce Feldman? Like, yeah. within, within Michigan's administration, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I'd, I I'd be curious to know what his source is on that because I, I agree with you. Like it's weird. Like I don't I, I don't I don't trust I don't necessarily trust like Michigan insiders on really anything right now unless they're like very very strongly like saying it's it's a done deal. Um, but I also don't like he seems to be kind of out an island on that one. Yeah, he is. He is. It's interesting, and it's like a pretty. Uh, he has to know he's on an island too to a certain level. I don't know. I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's impossible. It just seems like a weird. It is weird. It just, yeah. it, it just wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. I guess that that's I, me neither. That's yeah, at first to. blush, at first blush, my instinct would be Ben Herbert would stay, but I'd be fucking thrilled if he left. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think Herbert is. It just drives me crazy that a Columbus-born guy who works with Columbus-based Westside Barbell for his programming has been like the to me the biggest secret sauce to Michigan's success. Um, it drives me absolutely fucking nuts, uh, especially given, you know, that like Ohio state has now they just hired uh, Anthony Schlegel as the interim uh, strength coach. Well, one of their assistant strength coaches is, uh, out with some kind of injury, which by the way, that's how bad our S and C is, is that our uh, strength coaches get injured. Um, <laughs> you, can we talk about, uh, Devonte Armstrong putting on 20 pounds in two weeks? Dude, <laughs> fucking kill. And then, oh my God. And, I will go off for 40 minutes if I do that, but let me just say Mick Marotti is a war criminal. He is a war criminal and should be arrested. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I have some stories I'll tell you guys on a, uh, after the podcast that I think you will find funny about Mick. I, I've got some, I'm in his walls a little bit, but I'll tell you guys after. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd be great for me if Ben Herbert left. That's what I'll say. I think he is the best rate conditioning coach in the country ever since uh, Matt Ray left Alabama to go to the Saints. Uh, uh, Balu down there, Bayou. I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, their SNC guy currently is good. 
uh, but he is not um, top notch without Ray, in my opinion. I really like AM's new guy, who's the former LSU strength conditioning coach. But there are not a lot of studs out there. Um, I don't know. I, I think Herbert's pretty much the best of the business, and I would pay whatever it takes to keep him. But I don't know how much money will be the factor here. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, moving on to OC, I think this is where it gets different and also a lot more unknowable. Um, Obviously, Moore has to hire somebody to replace himself. Although, I guess we don't know. He could still very well be calling plays. I think that would be a mistake, but it is certainly an option. Uh, plenty of first-time head coaches do that. I think the, in, the internal promotion of Mike Hart and Kirk Campbell is a lot more concerning than Elston and Clayscale. How do you guys feel about that? Brandon, I'll let you go. Repeat the end of that because I, I heard it, but I'm trying to process it again. Repeat it again. Is I think the internal promotion of Mike Hart and Kirk Campbell would be more concerning to replace Sharon Moore than yeah. promoting Clink Scale and Elston to replace Jesse Minter would be. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah, 100% would agree with that. Um, you know, I'd still be fine with it in, in the spirit of the same thing I mentioned with the DC. Just I think continuity is, is safe in your first year with the roster that you have right now. I think if this was not only a super young team, but also a really not good team and, and, you know, a lesser team than last year, especially defensively. Now I know that they're, that they are offensively, but I'm speaking specific to the team as a whole. I think you can go safe this, this route on both sides of the ball, <clears throat> but way bigger risk on offense just because Kirk and um, Mike Hart are just, they're not play callers that we know of yet. Kirk is kind of new to this level. I did, did Kirk call plays at old dominion? Uh, that's a Do good we know that? question. I don't know. I, don't know I will look up his. Uh, if he did, then I might. If he did, then I might swiftly change my mind and just say, "Yeah, that Ricky Ronnie we'll tree is big." Uh, I mean, <laughs> he was the OC for two years under Ronnie, but also Rick Ronnie. I, I know call is a play caller. I wonder. I don't know. I don't know if Ronnie called plays or if Kirk Campbell called plays, but he did have the OC title. Well, I think if you go internal on defense. You can pony up. I mean, here's the one really big positive of Jim Harbaugh not signing the, the richest deal in college football here is like now there's much more room to spread out to other positions. And I think you can put a lot of money forward and get Jason Candle's ass to come up here. It would be great. That would be fantastic. I doubt it's going to happen because I think he can yeah. stay there and be a head coach somewhere else. But he had uh, allegedly spoken with other teams. I wasn't Ohio state in the mix with him or something. Yeah. If, if not, I can, I can, not allegedly. I can confirm to you. He did an interview with Ohio state for the OC job. So he is, he is open to the idea of taking a right. big time OC gig. If it's open, I think he would make a lot of sense. if they went external. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the guy I, I really honed in. I don't on know is. if he's good, Bo. by the way, I'll, I'll add that just to interject really quick. Candle is a safer option than going internal, but like, Toledo is one of the easiest G5 jobs in the country. Um, and he doesn't do anything interesting there. He is like a baseline 2013 Kevin Wilson read option coach uh, and has been for years. And I don't know if you know he's maximized having the most talented roster in his conference. He just finally won a conference title, but like, I know they had a good team this year and I, I really liked um, the backfield pairing of uh, Penny Boone and um, Daquan Finn, but uh, I don't know. I, I just think the styles mesh. I mean, I think him and Sharon probably see eye to eye when it comes to the ground game. And, you know, probably. if that's what they're going to do, then and so be it. Um, and I think it, it meshes well. But I think the big thing, too, is 
and correct me if I'm wrong, you'd know this more than I would, but I would assume he, he recruits Ohio pretty well and has a lot of familiarity yeah. with the, yeah. the schools North and South. And we know how big of a deal that is. So yeah, I would, yeah. yeah. So I would, I would love for it to be him. Do I think it's going to be, I don't know. I mean, the fact he interviewed with Ohio state gives me a lot of courage because he's Sharon's not going to make as much as Ryan day. I don't believe. Right. So you'd have to think that they're going to have more money. Um, yeah. maybe not more. I don't know if I'd say more money than Ohio state. Cause I, cause frankly, I don't know. I don't want to say that on record cause I have no clue, but well, I, I think, think we can say generally, we, we can say generally that like the big 10 is disgustingly rich now. Like the, they've just yes, all increased 100%. their athletic budgets by tens of millions per year. And they also probably just saved, I don't know, seven, eight million bucks a year by not keeping, by not getting to keep Jim Harbaugh. You know, like they're, I, I, I'm, I assume Moore's gonna get a nice little deal, but Generally, with a first-time coach, I know that's true for I think Day got like four point eight million per year in his first deal, um, and then was upgraded to like eight or nine million a year or two later. But you want to like in case you have a, it was what Zach Arnett at Mississippi State, right? He was an internal promotion after Mike Leach died, and they had a clause in his contract where they could fire him for almost nothing after one year because you don't know until you know. Uh, and, and I guess like I, th- I think they're going to probably not spend a ton on. I'm going along with it here. They're not going to spend a ton on Sheryl Moore. And they have clearly money to burn based on what we know about their TV contracts, based on what we know about the money they gave to Ben Herbert, money they offered to Jim Harbaugh. Money will not be an object in hiring a coordinator. They can go $2 million plus hiring a guy if it's the right guy. Yeah, I, I think that – so I'm on a, a little bit of a different wavelength in terms of going internal. I wouldn't – I think that this is the most interesting area because I know – that Jim Harbaugh still had his hand in the cookie jar in terms of that's not really the right way to say that. Uh, he still he was still meddling with the offense, and I wouldn't say meddling like it was a good. He still offense, had a bun in the know? oven. Yeah, right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I don't. I'm really bad at uh, those little sayings. Um, but I'm an engineer. I don't. I don't. I've never like I haven't written anything in a long time. Um, but uh, he 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 was he was still like he had a hand in it. Um, and I think like you know you could see like even. They they made a significant switch, basically from twenty like eighteen to twenty nineteen. He, you know, that they they went full like okay, we're gonna like run a modern RPO offense, and then they started to take that back away from Josh Gaddis towards the end of the year because Gaddis sucked. Um, and then you could see like the offense was still very Harbaugh uh, in twenty twenty one, and you know like got like more modern. 22, 23. Um, and I'm not saying like modern in terms of like just using RPO, but like it was it, they, at the beginning of the Michigan tenure, like they were running a lot of under center heavy sets and like man blocking schemes. And they kind of like ran the gambit from like trying to modernize, realizing that didn't work, and then like doubling down on the front game, going way more heavy. But then, like, you know, the last two years, it's been more like shot, primarily shotgun offense, but still running like a lot of uh diversified like man blocked schemes and and bringing in a lot of tight ends a lot of extra offensive linemen and that's like all harbaugh right like we don't more has obviously come up under harbaugh now so like that's part of his dna um but i wonder if more might not be more willing to open things up and have you know still have like that dna but get more like pass more on standard downs than Harbaugh did and, and have more of a, instead of a West coast passing offense, like more of a vertical passing offense, um, which I think would benefit the offense. Um, 
And what I, I think if they promoted Kirk Campbell, I would at least give it a year of like, okay, well, this is the guy that has gotten rave reviews from the quarterback. He seems he seems like he's he's done a good job. I know he hasn't like pulled in a big time recruit yet, but uh, he seems like he's a pretty good recruiter. Um, yeah, that... I agree. Jane Davis not very good. I agreed. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I mean you're you're lucky. I I would I wish I could come on here and slander Air Nor Air Air Nolan who had an absolute dog shit senior year. Uh, yeah, he but did. now that you have Julian yeah. saying, um, you know, it's not a, it's kind of a moot point, but uh, <laughs> you know, Nolan will make a good a good quarterback at like Toledo in in three years. Um, anyway, like I think that I think that there's you know I mean JJ McCarthy did have a much better season this season than last season. He improved under Kirk Campbell's you know tutelage. Um. So like I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't think that was a disastrous hire if they wanted to make him the primary play caller. Um I would I would give it at least like a year before, you know, like giving my judgment because again, like I think Harbaugh was such a heavy influence on the offense that I think there's like room to there's room to modernize it. Now what I want them to do, I mean, my dream hire is uh is is it it's Brian Brian Greasy from the 49ers, um, you know, former Michigan yeah. quarterback, uh, current 49ers. Uh, he's the quarterbacks coach, I think, right? Yeah, there's um, a, I, there is graffiti. Really quick, just interject here. Uh, there is graffiti on the side of Alderan, which is this famous campus part of Ohio State. There is a uh, metal stairway that goes up to a bathroom. Uh, and on the side of that stairway, there is graffiti scroll. It says Chad Henney and Brian Greasy liked penis. So just want to throw that in there. <laughs> okay, it's yeah, been there for sure. Since at least 2012, probably decades <laughs> earlier. Yeah. <laughs> good, good stuff. Good stuff. That's yeah. very. That's really. That's the the kind of cleverness that you go to. Uh, that you expect <laughs> out of Ohio State fan. Um, oh yeah. But <laughs> thank you for that relevant story. Um. But yeah. No, I think like that would be my. That's my hire. They're not going to do it because um, uh, he, he's going to get uh, a promotion to uh, offense coordinator at, in that staff and there's no reason for him to you know come but i would like them to bring in like i think we're in an interesting position where michigan has built this program out of like having a better like depth along the offensive line tight end like doubling down on things that other college teams aren't doing um you know when when college when college offenses were going pretty heavy I wouldn't even say spread because like it's not this, like saying just spread is played out, but we're going pretty heavy like RPO, um, RPO based offenses and like passing spreads. You know, Michigan doubled down on like heavy sets and and man uh, blocking schemes, and I felt like they 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 felt as though they had to make it a little at least a little bit modern by having it like run out of the shotgun and doing zone read stuff and whatever but they never quite meshed it in a way that like made sense the passing game was always disjointed from the running game even you know this year when they won the national title like i felt like it could have been better and we're kind of entering uh we're kind of entering a renaissance period in terms of offense where heavy sets and under center offense and and man blocking schemes you know paired with like misdirection um yeah the shanahan offense like misdirection vertical passing games uh you know like players that can do um you know like really uh swiss army knife players that can do a lot of different things and you know putting putting uh sure, Debo know, samuels the new person right Debo yeah. samuels right exactly like it, we're, we're seeing a renaissance of, of that type of under center running game and i think like bringing someone from the shanahan tree from the NFL um, that had those ideas would be perfect for like this roster and how they built it. Um, I don't think they're going to do that, but like, that's my, that's what I would do. That's my dream. That's I want them to like 
double down on you know what has become like I I feel like this is the first time in a long time that the NFL has been ahead of the college game in terms of like uh, yeah. offensive you know offensive innovation innovation I think that like the college game has gotten very very stale there's a lot of teams doing the exact same thing well, although and- I will add really quick sorry to jump in but I think Chad Will was doing some of this shit before Shanahan did um I will throw that in there that's fair that's fair but I think like you know it's, it's the Shanahan I that's totally it doesn't fair. spread like, it doesn't it spread the it way it did. not I, yeah, yeah right exactly yeah. it has not it has not spread the way like you've got a lot of really young uh right offense coordinators that have become head like successful head coach in the NFL um and I don't think you necessarily you know you've got LaFleur you've got Shanahan you've got uh uh the the Dolphins guy that whose name's escaped right? McDonald or Mc, yeah. yeah Mikey Daniel like you don't have the same level. I think that the college game, the college offense has gotten kind of stale, like at least at the highest level. There's still obviously teams doing yeah, really it sucks. cool things. The Jeff Levy shit sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like that. That's what's hot right now. And it's like, it sucks. Like, I don't think like Michigan's defense is kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm getting off track now, but like Michigan's defense just kind of has realized that like this is pr- a pretty easy thing to stop if you're willing to like play a light box and like know what kind of things o- offense is like to run at you. And I think that, other defenses are trying to figure it out and like it's yeah no, i know it, it it sucks like you said and i I'd, I'd like them to bring an nfl guy down and like get new ideas in there especially in the passing game because i really felt like michigan's passing game was disjointed from the running game and their short game was like dog shit and, like just didn't have high upside like they need to get someone that's going to be willing to uh stretch the field and you know, yeah, I don't know. Open up, open it up a little bit more. Uh, not in terms of just like, oh, hey, just get a spread guy, but like a guy that's gonna, you know, yeah. I've, 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 I've spoken. To yeah, you. you understand the point here. Yeah, I, I will throw three quick college names at you guys who I think fit that, and maybe a fourth one. Um, Andy Ludwig at Utah is the first one who I think does match with that. He has a little more of the zone running background than maybe you would like at Michigan based on their success with man stuff. Um, but I think he does fit that ethos well. I would say the same of Liam Cohen at Kentucky, uh, who is out of the McVeigh tree. Um, also, by the way, a lot of Irish guys taking over. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. McDaniel, McVeigh, Shanahan. I don't know. Something going on here. Um, and the last one is Casey Dunn at Oklahoma State. Um, I think all three of those guys fit that mindset pretty well. The fourth one who on the surface, I think people <laughs> have a misperception of, uh, Brennan Marion at UNLV. The name go-go offense makes you think it is like all designed to, you know, it's like an air raid attack. It is designed to open up gaps to run the ball downhill. Um, He has been mostly known for his work in the passing game at Pitt and other places previously. I also, um, I won't get into details here. I don't know if other coaches love Brennan Marion that much. I don't know if administrators do either. There is some stuff you don't love about what he does off field. Nothing like horrible. I'm not saying anything criminal, but like stuff you might have a couple of embarrassing headlines about if things go a certain way. Um, but he's a very good coach. And then two other NFL names I would look at, addition to Greasy. Uh, one is Butch Berry, who is the Dolphins OL coach. Uh, he's the O-line coach for Mike McDaniel. Uh, obviously, involved in that offense, he has been really good there. He's been good as an O-line coach at multiple stops. He also worked with Shrow Moore at Central Michigan. Spent a lot of his career uh, in the Midwest. And the last one is Ben McDaniels for the Houston Texans, who is their wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. He uh, he worked under Harbaugh for three years at Michigan, and he was also the OC at Rutgers in Columbia in the past. That is Josh McDaniels' brother. Um, obviously, working with Nico Collins now with the uh, with the Texans. Um, I, I think that of what you're describing, 
I agree getting a guy like Greasy sort of the NFL would be great to bring in here. If you can't do that, I think like, or, or Candle maybe isn't the right fit or says no for some reason. I do think a Cohen, a Dunn, a Ludwig make a lot of sense if if you don't think Barry or McDaniels are ready for it. I, I think they can figure it out here. There's also a lot of room for error to fuck this up pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think like worst case, like you you hire from within and it ends up being stale and like, you know, you, you lose the Harbaugh element that made the offense like unique, if not explosive, like hard to defend for teams that weren't going against that every week. And you end up with like a bog standard college offense with replacing a ton of names that sucks next year. Um, then kind of blows like an elite defense. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. Like I think all things considered, I'd I'd like them. I think the the blueprint the blueprint of bringing in NFL guys as like your coordinators, um, and surrounding them by recruiters, is, surrounding them with recruiters is a uh, uh, one that can be replicated for like a lot of teams, not just Michigan, but like it's been successful yeah. for Michigan, and like I think it's you know I think it makes sense. Like I think like. Like I said, the NFL is ahead of the college game schematically right now, and it's worked really well for Michigan. It's you know we've seen other teams start to do that, um, and I don't think there's any reason that we should, you know, yeah, I, I think I prefer that to hiring from within. Yeah, um, Justice, I guess any thoughts here from you on guys you'd like or just guys we haven't mentioned? Anything else you want to throw in here? Um, honestly, like. I'd be fine with the NFL route too. I, I would love it compared to at a college guy who's not Jason Candle. I just don't know if anybody out there, and I'm not saying he's he can. I'm just saying he might be worth the try versus someone who's going to come in and change the offense that is wildly stale and vanilla, but has won three straight Big Ten championships with you know the. It is a brand new personnel. So I think they're in a different stage than the defense. It's just a total, I think it's a total toss up. I mean, honestly, because you lose, the, I mean, losing Trente was huge because you don't really return any tackles or guard. You, you return nothing virtually, right? Who who comes back from that line? I can't even think about off the top of my head. Gio Hadi's back. He played more the year previous, right? I think he only had like and he's good. And he's good. Sure. I mean, and that's the thing is yeah. they still have good players. Like Andrew Gentry should still, like he still should be good in the end, hopefully. Jeff right? Percy's there. They brought in Josh Preby yeah. from uh from Northwestern. Yeah. And that's the thing, is they're they're still gonna be good on the on the front and the line and all that. But you know, they lose all the receivers. Um, you know, they lose the quarterback, they lose Blake Corum. You know, Edwards yeah, that, is like so polarizing, right? We don't know what he's gonna be so volatile. Yeah. That the quarterback point is one where that is like about all the staff choices we've made. We talked about that's the biggest unknown to me is like, is Alex Orgy any good at all? Like, I know he's probably going to start, but like, are we sure they shouldn't go grab a portal quarterback? Uh, he's thrown one pass in college ever, if I recall correctly. And he is like high school completion percentage was 48% senior year. Do like, <laughs> can Michigan find somebody else? Could should they? I think that they're gonna have to wait till the spring spring window opens. Um, I think yeah. the the ideal the idea that I've heard is that they're gonna let they're gonna let um Orgy and Denegal, who they seem to like. He was a middling recruit, but they seem to like him um a decent amount. Like big guy, standard pocket passer, or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, like I think that I think that they let them battle it out in spring 
and see if one of them really like runs away with the job and then kind of go for a portal guy if not um you know which i think is a fine there i don't know who i'd i'd want them to take in the portal i mean you're not going to get someone worthwhile right now yeah right yeah well boys um i think that's a podcast i don't know if anyone has anyone anything else we didn't get off our chest you went throughout there um okay, i'm good i think i mean I, I would love to you know shit talk in person but i yeah. feel like we i feel like i don't want to waste your guys' time with me and uh my debbie league and my college football team those are two things i feel very strongly about that both oppose big 10 ryan um and you know <laughs> as of recent successfully however you did get me in the championship last year fantasy so i, I suppose i should back off but i like to live in the now as michigan fans do and uh, i am celebrating you know what i have and i'm looking forward to malik, uh, marvin harrison jr malik neighbors and troy franklin all being on the same team so yeah just for context here what he's talking about me and justice are in a dynasty debbie league together um it's one of the more insane formats we were cooked up uh the opening draft was 50 rounds uh, you owned, I think it was 40 active NFL players uh, and 10 Debbie prospects. I mean, either college or high school. We are now in year four of this league, maybe. And Arch Manning has been owned the entire time. A guy who has not yet <laughs> like played a real game in college. Uh, he's been owned the entire process. So it is deep. Like you have guys shots on high school players every single year. It, uh, it is a pretty insane league. I think, Justice, you have two rings. I have one. Landis has one. Um, it's yep. all a bunch of college football writers in there. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, it's been kind of a little bit. It's kind of a, a Red Wings avalanche style rivalry between you and me here uh, lately. But Landis is coming in the mix. Landis is coming in hot. Um, so we'll see what goes forward there. But, yeah, it's um, it's been a good league. I got third place this year. You had second, and uh, Landis had first. So that's a fun league. Yeah, I'm gonna have um, to change my team logo because it's uh, sadly Jesse Minter. So, oh damn, yeah, me nice little rebrand. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Aces, right? Or no, it's somebody else. I forget who. No, that's um, uh, Ben Axelrod. Who else? Ah, uh, of course, Ben Axe the Grind, <laughs> our good friend. He's a huge um, Michigan fan. He can't can't keep him <laughs> can't keep him out of his mouth. Uh, I, you got you got you guys gave me a list of the guys that you're like actually friends with on the Ohio State beat, so I don't like. I was I was getting heated yesterday. <laughs> I've been I've been wanting to say shit that will get me banned off Twitter to, to a lot of the a lot of the beat guys. Um, but anyway, no, I think the only thing I would say, I mean, you know, it's already cut off that riveting conversation about your guys' fantasy league, which is <laughs> that, that people really want to hear about. Um, but uh, I, I think the the last thing I'd say about it is like the, the continued success of Michigan. You know, I mean, this is very like the high point of at least you know the next couple of years. Like Michigan is is a program that unless they extremely change up the way that they, you know, run their NIL and then there's a different booster culture. Um, I don't know what, there's a lot of things that could change in the next couple of years that whether it's revenue sharing or the 12 team playoff, that could even the field a little bit between like the Michigan level of team or level of program and like the Ohio state, Bama, Georgia level of program. Um, there's a lot of things that there's, there's a lot of wild cards there, but as things stand right now, like Michigan's not gonna be the type of team that can, compete for national titles year in and year out you know you're gonna have windows like this and you know thankfully like michigan uh capitalized on that right and and you got to win them when you have the chance um which you know it's like that's probably 
nets out to like a championship every like 20 ish year, which I'm more than okay with. Um, but in terms of like this level of success or like winning like uh, 10, 11 games in the new big 10, um, it's going to be a lot of like the three pillars of Michigan's um, you know success the last three years have been, you know, identification of, of underrated talent, uh, you know, development through strength and conditioning um, and then like keeping veterans around and then also like having, you know, having a level of, of schematic competence and, and like deployment, right? Like they've, they've pretty much hit on the player acquisition, you know, hasn't been as um, knockout as the other, as the other pillars, but like they, they have done a good job keeping guys around and deploying them. Um, and we don't know how good Sharon Moore is going to be at that yet. The, the, uh, we're going to learn a lot over the next couple of months, the next couple of years. Um, but I do think overall, like my verdict on the thing is that, Given where Michigan's at as a program compared to where they've been, you know, over the last 20 years, it's worth the shot to go with the pure continuity hire. I think that although it hasn't worked for other programs in the past, like it just might work for us. It just might work for us. But, I, you know, I mean, it has worked for some teams. And I think that, like, it's even if even if all you get out of it is like hey, we're going to keep this roster and this defense intact for this year. And then we find out like two years down the road, the Tyrone isn't, isn't, you know, up to the task. I think it's worth rolling those dice, honestly, rather than blowing up what is the best, you know, the best uh, era of Michigan football we've ever experienced for, you know, a guy that also might not be a hit. Um, I, are there, are there more experienced and more proven candidates out there? Absolutely. Uh, but I feel just from an objective perspective, like I, I, I feel decent about this hire and I'm willing to give it a shot. It's not a sure thing. Nothing's ever a sure thing, but it's, I think it's worth it. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, I think we're going to find out pretty soon. I imagine that announcement is not far away. So looking forward to seeing these staff hires play out and, uh, and what happens from it. Uh, I want to say thanks to you guys as well for, uh, for joining me coming on the pod. Uh, always fun. Um, a lot of you out there, Michigan fans, will be wondering when I'll be paying up for my bet with Dan on singing Hail to the Victors. Uh, it will be on our next premium podcast. So right after we hang up here, I'm going to record that. Uh, and you guys, if you want to hear me sing Hail to the Victors, uh, you are more than welcome to subscribe, meet at midfield.com uh, to get access to that. So uh, you're, you're... Using, using this to, dr- to drum up uh, like one month subscriptions for Michigan fans that want to <laughs> that want to hear you sing Hail to the Victors is nasty work, dude. This oh, is, yeah. This my, is disgusting. My, my rule is if you want to talk shit to me about Michigan football, you're more than welcome to. You can just pay me money to do it. Uh, that's <laughs> all you got to do is Facebook. Yeah, pay twelve ninety nine. You can talk all the shit to me you want. Uh... <laughs> Dude, I I have had Michigan fans. I have had like my uh some of my like mufos like uh DM me and be like, "Dude, what the fuck is like Ryan saying on, on the paywall or whatever?" Like, when you, when you tease something that I that I like that I retweet. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, I, I haven't really read it yet. Like, you probably have to. Like, I pretend that I don't. I haven't read it. Thank you, dude. And, True and Patriot. Just, uh, yeah, and just like get them to get them to fork uh, up twelve dollars. I'm assuming they immediately cancel. But <laughs> yeah, Justice, I'm sure you've experienced this when you were when you were working for the pay sites too. But like getting like the tweets to your own paywalled work that you make money off of, of like what's it say? Is uh, <laughs> 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 always the funniest shit. But uh, I definitely, yeah, I've definitely he, never done that with uh <laughs> with with uh, recruiting insiders that follow me. Yeah. <laughs>
the amount of people who will just screenshot and post right away just as if they are some sort of vigilante like they're i'm the fucking batman of message boards like i will do what's right and i will share this to you all <laughs> and yeah it was the worst because you work for a certain individual who, who i used to work for at rivals about like seven eight nine years ago um great guy gave my first chance but older guy who was just he was stern and ryan you might know him to be honest but, <laughs> i know him very well he interviewed yeah. me for a job and i i said thank you but no thank you yeah. yeah. Uh, well, good on you. Unfortunately, I was 19 and just a slot for any premium site that would take me. <laughs> and, and luckily, it was the gateway to a career. So I appreciate it. All the same, no thanks. Because if that happened to me, it was like, oh, delete that shit right now. And I'm like, oh, okay. Word. All right. Sounds good. I was 19. I was like, absolutely, sir. Already deleted. My account's restarted. I've changed my at name to good boy123. Go blue. Yeah. <laughs> but my uh, thoughts are Sharon Moore is a perfect pick. There we go. That's a good note to end it on. All right, guys. We'll see you later.